the more you can understand your target market, the more specific you can be to the people you're reaching out to, the better the response you're going to have. You can go straight to the issue. Like I said, people don't care how the mail is delivered as long as there's something valuable inside. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with the founder of B2B Leads, Ryan Caswell. And he is a process-obsessed engineer at heart who enjoys spending his spare time with his wife and son and scaling cliff faces or getting choked out in a Brazilian jet <laughs> Anyway, we get to talk with him all about lead generation and LinkedIn and a lot of good nuggets there. So stay tuned for that. He gives us a lot of good information. So we will want to have that. But first, it's time for our marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to continue helping you build your brand and your bottom line. And this week's topic, I wanted to talk to you about KPIs, kept promise indicators, otherwise known as key performance indicators. So people ask me all the time, Ray, we want to know if what we're doing is working, if we're spending money in the right place, if, if what we're doing is, is actually effective or not. And so when we think about the the marketing budgets that we put together, we want to set those goals and know that those are actually getting accomplished, right? So we want to focus on these things to help us understand the data that we're collecting and understand how we can use it to our advantage. So I'm going to give you a few of these KPIs to track this week, and then next week I'll cover some more. So it's a two-part thing for the marketing essentials moment. And if you're not tracking anything, let's chat and talk and see what we can do to help you in that regard. So first things first, we want to track our sales growth. We want to know that we want to measure the, the revenue that we have coming in year over year or period over period or month to month or even week to week. How are you doing in your sales revenue? And this metric can, can be the total revenue or it can be broken down to different areas that you either the services that you provide or the products that you provide, whatever that might be, even if you're a nonprofit, you want to know how many donations are coming in, how many grants, how much money you're making, right? And then of course, number two, the leads that you're getting. And of course, with our interview, we're going to talk more about B2B leads, but it also applies to other areas as well. We want to know how many people are we talking to? Are we talking to the right people? Uh, the more leads that we get, the right kind of leads that we get gives us more opportunities for a better chance at being able to go through the whole sales process with our prospects, right? So understanding and uncovering the amount of leads that you can get, you can track that to say, okay, here's some qualified leads. Here's some maybe people who are inquiring here, you know, where are they in their buying pattern? Where are they in their, in their path, right? And so those are some things to think about as well. We want to look at the lifetime value of a customer that we get when we've got them onboarded and then they are going to be with us for a long period of time. You can do this a number of ways. Look at the average lifetime customer value that you have from your previous customers and then measure that. We want to increase the lifetime value of our customers over time. And so if that's something that you haven't started measuring, I highly recommend you look at what the average spend is with your customer. Is it a one and done or is it an ongoing reoccurring revenue that's going to come back to you? And how can you continuously grow that and, and organically grow that too with them? 
We want to look at all of the digital marketing ROI, so return on investment, the, the things that you can track, right? Measure what you treasure, dump what you don't. But we want to look at all of the spend that we're doing and are we converting them? Are we getting money back because of what we spent? And looking at each of those marketing strategies and tactics that you're taking, what is the what are you doing and to get that money back to you? How is it working? And of course, how much are we spending on our customers? So customer acquisition cost, how much are we spending to get each new client through the door over the time period that we allocate? Now, we can look at this again, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly. Are we spending more or less money to acquire the right kind of clients who then ultimately increase their lifetime value? The idea is to spend less to acquire more because that means that your marketing is working and everything that you're doing is working well. And if it's not, if it's opposite, then you know that there's some things that you need to tweak. So looking at that and diving in to how much it's costing you to acquire a customer. And I have a whole nother marketing essentials moment that talks just solely about customer acquisition cost that you can check out as well. And then another thing to think about is how can we measure how fast it is that we're actually being able to close the deals that we're doing? Is it, you know, how fast do we respond to the leads? How long of a sales cycle do we have to have in order to be able to get the new business? What's the average? Is there ways and efficiencies in our process that we can do to increase the sales cycle to get more sales in a quicker time frame because we're getting it right. Another ratio you could look at is website traffic. How many leads are your web is your website generating? How many form fills are you getting from people filling out information on your website because they want to learn more from you? And then of course, what is that to where they're actually qualified leads. You can measure that too. Understand the ratio of the qualified versus maybe not as qualified. And what are you doing to help increase the types of people who are coming to your site that are qualified leads that you want to do business with? And so you can monitor those things to understand how you can increase the, the traffic that you're getting and how to do that. You can also monitor things like, okay, the um, amount that you estimated a project or, or the quote that you gave to the customer, what is it actuals that it does truly take? Is there a gap between what you estimated versus what it took to actually do the project? And understanding where improvements could be made if, if you're consistently going over the estimate or consistently going under the estimate? What is it that you're doing that you can track in order to make sure that you're estimating or those quotes that you give is truly what you want them to be? And then, of course, just general website and uh, traffic, the organic traffic that you're getting. There's ways to be able to track that through, of course, Google search, um, Google analytics. And of course, there's, you know, even more robust programs that we can use to understand the visitors that are going to your site. And then are they converting into customers? and monitoring that traffic, seeing how it's working, what's relevant, what are they clicking on, how long are they spending on your site, uh, just a number of things like the session rates, the click-through, the bounce rates, you know, where are people coming from and how are they getting to your site. And then another thing that you can measure is your social media reach and engagement and the frequency that you're doing. Are you being consistent? How often are you posting? How often are people engaging with you? And are, meaning that they're liking, posting, commenting, sharing, viewing. Are you reaching those people? And you can look at that and track it over time so that you can make sure that you're improving and looking at what gets a lot of engagement versus what doesn't so you can understand what you need to stop, start, keep, or tweak. 
Okay, next week we'll cover some more KPIs, kept promise indicators or key performance indicators that you can do to make sure that your marketing is actually producing an ROI for what you're doing, okay? So stay tuned until next week, we'll have more there, but let's get into our interview with Ryan. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Ryan with us. Ryan, all the way from uh, down under, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Brizzy, Australia. Yeah. Well, good to be here, right? Thank you for joining us. Ryan, um, let's just share a bit about you and, and your background. Uh, you've got an interesting background. So let's let's hear it all. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll try not to take too long, but yeah, I'll, I'll start sort of way back in the beginning of my professional career. Um, so yeah, I'm in sales and marketing now, of course, but I have a bit of a different background to most. I, I started my career as an engineer um, in mining of all things. So I started as an operator putting um, in underground coal. So if anyone's ever seen Zoolander and that scene where he jumps out completely black, that was me pretty much every single day working in the mines, putting up bolts. Yeah, but not long, like I did that for a couple of years. Then I got into business improvement. I worked in mining engineering, data analysis. But even though it was interesting work, um, I think like probably a lot of entrepreneurs um, and business owners, it just wasn't my own thing. It wasn't something that really excited me. And so... I ended up leaving the mines, even though the money was very good. And um, I just wanted to get into the digital space, digital marketing, web development. I just wasn't sure what. I just knew it was an exciting place to be in. So I quit my job, decided to learn how to code. Um, and then not long after that, my wife lost her job in the mines. So um, two people with cashed up from the mines with not sure what we would do. We ended up moving to Brazil. And um, we bought a farm out in the middle of the mountains and decided to set up a B&B. &B. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little bit out of left field. So this was my first taste of business. And um, it sent me broke. It, <laughs> but it was really good fun. Um, and I learned a lot in the process. So there's this beautiful place out in the middle of the mountains with toucans and monkeys and mountain lions. Yeah, it was really exciting. But um, yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, like I said, sent me completely broke, came back to Australia. Um, we just started a family and um, I just didn't want to get back into mining. But of course, like most people are aware, you need money. So working very hard to get into the digital space. I was working as a, um, a landscaper. I worked at a rock climbing shop selling rock climbing equipment. Um, and just in the meantime, like I was delivering Uber at nighttime, just trying to do everything I could to start a business. And I kept running into the same issue every time, which was that initial component of lead generation acquiring clients. And it wasn't like long story short, it wasn't really until I found LinkedIn as this way that you could reliably and predictably and relatively low cost other than your time produce clients that I found a really sweet spot that I felt I could help other people with and I went through that same experience and that's really how I started b2bleads.com um yeah that was a bit of a long story but that's kind of how I got here 
Well, great domain name, by the way. I think that that's uh, always always nice for branding when you can have a beautiful domain name. So be yeah. the number two leads.com. So, so okay, I, we're going to go on a marketing journey together because I know that this is definitely a pain point most businesses have in trying to acquire the right leads and getting the right people through your door or your proverbial door in some cases if you have an online business. But what are some things, what are some tactics that you've taken that have been really successful? Well, I think the biggest thing is is really understanding like, and, and you'll know this more than anyone, is like really getting your value proposition right um, before you try to scale. So a lot of people, and on LinkedIn especially, people will see this all the time. People, these very generic messages trying to, you know, just blast everyone with anything. And a lot of people are trying to trick people into connecting or just what happens when you, you try to avoid, like it's, it's just delaying the obvious. At some point you need to get your pitch in front of the person. You need to get your value proposition across. And the earlier you can do that and identify whether or not people perceive the value or see the value in what you do, the better. Because if you can't get people to engage with you based on that value alone, then you've addressed a really important bottleneck. So I think that's the most important thing is like, I, I mean, the marketing place is changing so often and all the tricks and tactics, they're going to change. They're not all going to last forever. But the foundations of getting your marketing message right, your value proposition, your unique selling proposition is foundational, critical. And um, it seems so simple because it's like one sentence long, but it's, it's, it's by far the most important thing because it translates, it lives upstream of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you are right. I mean, I get inundated, you know, even as a marketer, I get inundated with other people trying to market to me on LinkedIn and, you know, all the different places. And there are definitely messages that stand out. And then, you know, ones that just get deleted because it's, you know, they're trying to sell me right off the bat or they're trying to, you know, I don't know, like you said, trick me into being connected with them or, yeah, yeah and it, it is, it's kind of, man, there's a lot of those out there. And I imagine other people are getting hit up just as much as I am too. So finding ways to stand out and differentiate yourself from the others. Can you give an example of something that has done well as far as a message or value proposition that you've helped with? Yeah, I'll give, yeah. it's a tricky one because um, I can give examples. It, it's it's often seems almost too simple sometimes, the message structure. And what I tell people is your profile will do most of the heavy lifting. So when you reach out to someone, you can almost not necessarily have to say anything if, if they're going to look at your profile and that's going to be the biggest deciding factor. Like one of the things I tell people is update your profile picture because you're dealing with like people's subconscious biases and like three second first impressions. And if you're not doing everything you can to make a good first impression, then they're just not going to learn anything. But what I always say is in the connection message, if you want to do a good connection message and get people to connect, but also connect, then engage on your value, you got to get your value proposition in that first message. So it's like, hi, John, you know, I've, I've been doing this X, Y, Z for five X amount of years. 
we do a lot of work with, you know, companies like yours. You know, we post um, free training material and, and podcast on the matter. You know, if you see any value in this, it'd be great to connect. So what you're getting is buy-in on the value you bring. And then the next message, sometimes it can be as simple as, hey, is this something, you know, we specialize in X, Y, Z. Is this something you'd, you'd be interested in some more information on? versus a three-page essay and like a series of booking links. So what you're doing is you're asking permission to send information and you're trying to break down the process into more steps versus just going straight for the kill, essentially. (laughs) Straight for the turnoff because that's what happens when people just automatically assume the sale without even making a connection or relationship or engagement to begin with. That's really true. Yeah, people are far more responsive on LinkedIn when you're upfront about why you want to connect. They know you're not connecting to be their friends. They, but if you can, I often say people don't care how their mail is delivered if it's got something valuable in it. So think about how you can add value and show that value and build credibility around that value too. Because everyone says they can deliver value, but how do you make them believe that in 300 characters? Right, right. <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, I just kind of look back at you know messages that I've actually engaged with or, you know, responded to because they made it to where there was something of value that I could read or that I could listen to or, or, or watch or something of that nature, not just automatically trying to sell me on something. But, you know, and, and even one message I stands out in my mind, they wanted to connect because we have similar businesses that we want to, you know, attract in our companies, even though they don't do what we do, but they're similar types of companies that we're going after. And so then they said, let's, let's talk and see how we can partner and, you know, build a relationship together. P.S. I'm not trying to sell you anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, that was pretty genius. The P.S. You know, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Just want to partner, connect with you, see if we have any, you know, for lack of better word, synergies, right. That we could work together. And, and I did respond to that one because it wasn't, you know, blatantly trying to sell, but maybe how we could benefit each other and help each other out with giving referrals. So yeah, I can definitely see how those messages to where you're giving the value without pitching right away is super helpful. Yeah. So that's, that's what I call your partnerships campaign, um, where you're trying to leverage other people's networks as well. And that's, that's really valuable. Um, one of one of the most successful i'm just thinking back to your question before one of the most successful campaigns we ran is um and if i can get anything across today other than just making sure you're getting people to connect on value is really getting specific and understanding your target market so one of the most successful ones we ran was reaching out to it was local councils it was government And we had a very good understanding of something that they had to implement recently. And there was a timeframe around it. So big pain, we understood the pain. We had solved the pain 15 times before. And like, so we knew the pain, we understood it, we called it out, we built credibility around it. And, you know, it was just, can we jump on a call straight away? So the, the more you can understand your target market, the more specific you can be to the people you're reaching out to, the better the response you're going to have. You can go straight to the issue. Like I said, people don't care how the mail is delivered as long as there's something valuable inside. That's great. So if you were to potentially work with a new client, how do you go about understanding what it is that they need to do in order to 
be able to have people engage with them and do the things. So can you walk me through the process that you go through? Yeah, absolutely. So um, being an engineer, it's <laughs> I've built a very, what I would say, a very process-driven approach. Um, it's like, well, we only have four things that we need to have in place in order for LinkedIn lead generation to work. So the first thing is people. Are the people you want to reach out to on the platform? And are they active on the platform? So let's, let's take an example of dentists. Yeah, you can find their profiles on LinkedIn, but they're just not very active. They're, they're more on the tools and um, they're very hard to engage with. So it's not a great audience on LinkedIn from my experience versus you know professional services. They tend to be on computers, um, developers, IT, tech. Um, you just need to, and or even if your audience isn't that engaged, if you have a big enough audience, like you guys over in the States, you, you, you can go so niche and still have like hundreds of thousands of people. It's incredible. No one everyone like tries to get over to the States to target. So you need people and you need to be able, they need to be active on the platform so that you can put things in front of them and they're going to see it. Obvious. The next is how do we drive buying behavior? And this is really important. This is where kind of it depends on the client a lot. Um, the next thing is saying the right things at the right time. So the messaging. So like you said, people don't want to be sold to, but some things lend really well to more direct messages. Software, for example. Hey, we have software that does this. It doesn't, you know, it's an add-on. Would you be interested in a demo? You can go straight to that because people don't want to read articles and things like that. If they think it can solve the problem, they just want to check it out. So some things lend it to being more direct, some things are more education-based. Leadership, you know, it's more about building that credibility and understanding of that you're the thought leader in that space. The last one is process. So pro this is where it's really tricky because obviously you can keep making your process better and better. You can send a customized message, a video message to every single person, but you get to a point where you get diminishing returns, where the more effort you put in, it, you're not getting a relative return on the actual leads. So there's a real balance between how much can you put in and how can you do this in a way that's scalable and efficient. So we're really good at this. Like this is covered. We've done this a thousand times before. This is where the money lives is how do we drive buying behavior? So how do we drive buying behavior? There's two, two things. Market need. So we can't always control market need, but we can, do, we can chase after different markets depending. But, you know, if, if there's no market need for what you want to sell, like it's a multiplier, like basically if there's zero multiplies by zero, you get zero. Um, so you need some market need. You just can't, yeah, no amount of marketing can, can sell something that just no one wants. All right. Well, some, some might, but it's not ethical. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So th these are really the, the core things we look for from our clients or, or we try to develop in order to have a campaign. So when we reach out to people, it's compelling and makes them want to talk to us. The first is credibility. Um, not always easy for small businesses, um, but if you've been around for 15 years, you know, say we've been doing this for 15 years. If you have case studies, put them up front and center. If you've worked with big brands, up front and center. Like, like I said, you only have about three seconds to make a first impression and it's gonna be very visual. So if you can land on someone's LinkedIn profile, and without even having to read a word, you feel that they're legit, we wanna make sure all that's up front and center. We want people to feel like you're credible. So credibility, 
Um, the next is uh, niching or expertise. So focusing in on a very specific industry, specific problem. Basically, if the more specialized you come across, the more people will trust that you're good at solving that problem. Uh, the next one is branding and likability. Now, a lot of our clients are fairly small or fairly new businesses, and um, they're not good at this. Um, <laughs> they're not consistent. It's like, I, I believe this is one of the most powerful things you can do is getting that branding and likability, but it's a commitment. It's a long-term thing to get that, you know, build that audience and get them wanting to come to you. And Outbound's really powerful at feeding that. So this can really support what you do um, with Outbound, but it's not critical in the beginning because you need that audience to serve that content and posting and everything too. And, and the, last, the last one is a strong offer, a compelling reason to have a chat with you today. Like what benefits can you realize in what time frame, and what risk mitigation can you put around that and credibility and trust and things like that. So you don't need all four of these, but you need at least one of these done really well. So new businesses won't have credibility, so we might try and put a strong offer together. Um, businesses have been around 15 years, they might not need to do any of these. We just really lean on that credibility, trust, and case studies. But these are our levers, and if we don't have any of these in place, then we need to start putting them in place. That's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's, that's all we got to work with. Mm -hmm. Now, do you also do um, LinkedIn advertising to help with, you know, getting the message out there or are you solely doing the connections and messaging and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, just solely specializing in outbound. Um, being, in, being an engineer, I like to focus in and optimize and tweak. I've done a little bit with LinkedIn advertising and I haven't had a lot of success with it. I haven't heard too many really good success stories for smaller businesses. Um, I'm on the lookout for them and I think it very much fits in with what we do, but at the moment we're specialized in outbound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely the right fit in the right places and the right mix for, for each type of industry and, and size of business and, you know, all of those things for sure. Now it's time for a message from one of our partners, KitCaster. Did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand? And KitCaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. We've had several guests from KitCaster on the Marketing Expedition podcast as well. So if you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with KitCaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. KitCaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com expedition to apply for a special offer for friends of this podcast. What are some, maybe some examples of case studies that you've seen that have worked for some of your clients that mean, and you can just kind of generally say that, but I, I like to, I'd like to kind of dig into what makes a really good case study for people to, to see that credibility and that expertise. You know, what are some things that you've seen that have worked really well? When I, when I say people like you need case studies, people often think, oh, now I've got to go away and put them together and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, a decent, well put together case study is definitely going to help. But to start with, what we really need is, I mean, 
for what we do, that very front-end marketing, like you don't have enough attention for them to even see it really. So what we're looking for is soundbite style case studies. We helped company X achieve Y in timeframe C sort of thing. Like, so you're helping them understand the value enough that they are interested to learn more and give you their time for a quick call. Now on that call is where you can actually build the trust. You face to face, you can see them. It, it's far easier to build trust outside of a text-based conversation because people can see how you communicate, your body language, and this is how people will actually build that trust. And then you can talk to, about the case studies, even if you don't have them, you can talk about them, what you did, how it worked, you know, the whole process. But sandbite style case studies are great. But if you, if you want the cream of the crop, video interviews, are 100%. If, if I never did any content other than that, I think we'd be doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great because we do a lot of video production and it has really shifted over the years from like traditional, you know, commercials to online testimonials and overview videos and how to videos that can be really useful. And I think you're right. People will watch video with subtitles, right? Always the subtitles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, video interviews, like I think you're in I mean, yeah, if, if I wasn't doing this, I think I'd be doing video mm-hmm. because um, it's so valuable. It's just the challenge with video is is you need the client to do the video. Right. You want to open up and, and say <laughs> your phrases as much as you can. Yeah. You're right. That those sometimes um, can prohibit it a little bit when they don't necessarily want to open up and talk about, you know, you and what you've done. Because they might be camera shy or, you know, whatever the case might be. But, man, it is gold when people do want to talk about what you've done and, and sing your praises. And then you can make those into quotable things and, and share that out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a focus of ours. And, and I'd almost say that's one of our points of difference because this is a really, like, it's probably no surprise to anyone listening and, and yourself. It's got a bad rap, the, the lead gen space. Everyone's used to just getting smacked in the face with crap messages on LinkedIn. Yeah. And um, we're focused right from the beginning of like getting really good case studies, good interviews, building that trust. We even have a money back guarantee. Like we're really wow. doing our best to, to get the right types of clients, do right by our clients and, um, and just really build a big wall of testimonials and case studies. And earlier you mentioned doing video introductions, or I think you said that. Is, is that right? Doing video introductions? Oh, uh, no. I said video interview. Okay. Oh, I, I mentioned video introduction, introductions as something you can do on LinkedIn, but like it, it sort of fit more into the, unless you use AI maybe, um, it sort of fit into the diminishing returns where it's a lot of extra effort and not a lot of extra return. However, if you have a very small market, and a very high value client, then you can start to afford to spend more to acquire your client. It's a balance. If your software product you sell is $30 a month, you're not going to do a video introduction to every single one of those because your now cost per acquisition outweighs the actual return. So it just depends. Time, the time that it takes to do an individual video for everyone that you want to connect with, I could see that can be really time consuming. But like you said, though, if it's a $30,000, you know, client potential, you know, really high ticket, then yeah, maybe it'd be a little bit different to, to win that work. I, I see what you're saying for sure. 
what do you see trending? What's 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 next for LinkedIn and and kind of the way things are AI going? AI yeah yeah everyone's talking about yep. chat G, GPT yeah GT, yep GPT yeah I was, I was getting GTP and GPT mixed up yeah so chat GPT everyone's talking about it and I think this is well I me personally have a very FOMO response to it all I'm like I'm just worried I'm going to be left behind <laughs> but um. <laughs> But I, I, I can see it. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, that's that's what's trending. That that's what keeps popping up into my feed on YouTube, and um, I think it's really going to change. It's going to change everything. Um, I personally think it's just going to make everyone more efficient rather than necessarily replacing everyone anyone. But um, time will tell. It's a really interesting time to be be alive. Yeah, you, you still have to have the human component to like review what chat GPT spits out because sometimes it's out of context or it doesn't quite make it right. And, you know, I've tried around, you played around with it for different various things and inevitably I'm always tweaking or always doing something to update it, to make it a little more conversational or plausible or, you know, whatever. And, and you're right. I think that there's definitely some room for it. it can give you some inspiration, maybe some ideas that then you can take and, and, you know, be inspired from and adapt and make your own. But I think there's still going to be the human component that won't go away because it's artificial, right? And so so I've, I've, I've said that I have human intelligence and I can use artificial intelligence to supplement my human intelligence, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, the AI to the to the HI. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing. Like it's it's already, I think, We've been proved for like, oh, this is all these things we thought were very human type activities. We've been shown, oh, okay, well, maybe robots can, AI can think creatively. I've been getting it to write bedtime stories for my son. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I had to do a poem yeah. just to see what it would do. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're, I think we're just not sure how powerful it is. I don't know if society can keep up, especially legislation. It, it won't be able to keep up as fast as the technology is. Um, things like driverless cars are already here, but in Australia, you know, we can't use them because we're just scared, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it'll be fascinating to see how things continue continue to evolve. I mean, LinkedIn invited me to be an expert. Um, so it was AI generated articles that then I would use my expertise to post and comment on. And most of the information was, was pretty accurate. That was, and it said, you know, AI generated content, but we need your expert expertise to, to, to kind of chime in, you know? And so there was, a, you know, a couple of things I sort of had to set the record straight, you know, but I, I think that there's definitely some interesting things that come from it. And, and the, the other flip side of that is how do we know if it's AI generated versus what I'm calling HI generated, right? Human intelligence. So I, I don't know, we, we're going to have to play it out and see, see what happens. And and I think other trends for LinkedIn, I don't know about you, but I've, I've started to see some changes that they're doing to, you know, update sort of the user experience. I'll be curious to see what more they roll out and do. I don't know. Have you, have you seen some of that yet? Yeah, they're constantly changing and, and they don't roll changes out all at once because I'm, I'm dealing across like dozens of profiles at a time. You'll see changes that are made to one. And um, generally, they roll the changes out with plenty of bugs. So, 
Yeah. So uh, I'm reaching out to support. I'm like, why doesn't this work anymore? And support never knows. They're like, it does work. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in the same boat because I am a content creator and I am able to go live on LinkedIn. But then some of my clients aren't there yet to that point. And I, you know, it's frustrating because I want them to be able to do what I can do and vice versa, right? Maybe they have things that I can't do yet or, you know, I, and you're right. It's like, okay, they just need to make it available to others too. <laughs> yeah. That, that could be a um, creator mode. Some some options aren't available unless you tick creator mode on profiles, but then some options just aren't available for some profiles. Which yeah. Is, yeah, I've noticed that, that they don't even have the ability or option to to tick creator mode. And yeah. so it's like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> it's certainly, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much they can improve upon, but um, I guess that helps my value proposition in that. Yeah. Like we built a system that uses LinkedIn, but it, it adds all the features that it's basically missing, essentially like Very a cool. CRM to manage all your replies and things like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. That makes Hopefully sense. one day. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes your job worthwhile for sure, because then you can help them navigate it and go through it and, and be able to get really good at it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. I want to know for you, what kind of marketing tactics do you take to market your own B2B lead generation? Yeah. So the obvious one is obviously outbound LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, right from the beginning, even somewhat unintentionally is the, the branding component. Um, probably see the red tie. I don't, don't necessarily enjoy wearing a red tie, but it's very consistent. Since I started, I just wore a red tie and I just thought, you know, I just need something that I don't have to think because otherwise I'd just be. Mine's the orange glasses. I, I wear oranges in my brand. So I have usually, I mean, I have other colors too, but there's always something orange because of that. Yeah. So yeah. Can, yeah. Yeah. Color branding, right? If, if for those of you who can't uh, see us right now, <laughs> yeah, Ryan has a red tie. <laughs> I think it's important because I see some people, I say like, you know, start posting content and they'll post content, but it, everything's different. I'm like, you need an anchor point. Otherwise you're not building, attributing a touch point to anything. You're just getting attention, but it's just like, what's it being attributed to? It needs to be attributed to something, whether that's like a, a common color, whether that's your face. I mean, you, someone talking, it's very easy to attribute to a human being because that's how we relate. But yeah, if it's just different colors, different posts, different texts every single time, you're not really accumulating those valuable touch points over time. So a lot of educational content, I put out all our training material for free on YouTube. Um, I think that's really valuable. It's, it's a big commitment because there's not necessarily the measurable ROI, but I know it supports all the other things we do. So as we do outbound on LinkedIn, people do check that out and they see it and it builds more credibility. Um, a little bit of email, people subscribe to an email list and, and, um, as I release the YouTube video, it gets released on email. It gets posted on LinkedIn. Basically the core focus is one video a week, educational material, training people, staying visible, staying, you know, the, the leader in this space. Um, Top of mind for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is like the b2bleads.com. We, we didn't start with that domain, obviously. So it took a while to sort of decide that's where we want it to be and, and save up and buy it. But um, I think 
that branding component and visibility and, and putting video out, I, um, I personally think video is just so powerful, mainly because people don't want to do it. And, yeah. and so there's a, there's a gap in the market where if someone doesn't want to do something, then, you know, there's money to be made essentially. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. A couple more questions. Who are some maybe other um, resources or people that you listen to or watch videos of or um, what kind of tools or resources, newsletters, kind of where do you get your inspiration, knowledge, kind of what keeps you, you know, on top of, of your game? Yeah. I, funnily enough, I, I did in the beginning, I got some like sort of basic knowledge in the beginning on how to use lead generation just through YouTube and various blogs. But strangely, I don't do too much competition research. I find it kind of confuses and, and just pulls you in the wrong direction. What we're huge fans of is just your traditional feedback loops. So getting better and better at measuring and rather than assuming someone's doing a better job because they just said, hey, check out this message sequence. Well, we have far more context because we measure, we know the client, we know their offer, we know the results, we know how many like the results in terms of sales. So as an example, one message, one campaign would do very well when you actually sacrifice connections, but, but are more upfront in that connection message. Because what happens is, I'm going a little bit off track, um, you can send a, a a vanilla connection message, and you might get you know there's ten ten people in your connection um, target market. You might get five people connect because they like to connect and grow the network. But if you send a, a really you know upfront message that's focused on your value proposition and where you and the pain you solve, you might get less, but you might get you know these people over here who actually have the problem and are looking for the solution and wouldn't have connected otherwise. But, you know, the personalities that are more upfront and just like, yeah, okay, I need that. Let's talk. So, so you can sacrifice connection rate at times and end up with a better sales volume and lead rate. I forgot what your original question oh, was now. Tools and, <laughs> tools and tips and things that you use. I mean, using your own insights is, is awesome. I was just trying to see if maybe there were some resources that people could tap into. To oh, learn more yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I I've, I like Alex Homozi. Um, I follow a lot of his stuff. I originally did consulting.com with Sam Ovens. Like, I'm not sure if you know of Sam Ovens. Um and, and just a lot of the sort of marketing entrepreneurs, but I guess Alex Mosey, I'm, I, I'm quite impressed by how do you, how do you spell his last name? I'll have to check it out. Uh, H E R M O Z I, I think. Okay. All right. He's put, he puts out heaps of great content and all completely free. And yeah, so I tend to follow his stuff fairly closely. Yeah. I always like to know where people get you know, who they lean on to get information or resources or motivation or, you know, <laughs> mentorship, that kind of thing, just because then it's helpful for others to know too, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So in your business in, you know, kind of looking toward the future, what are some goals that you have that you want to accomplish that says success for you? I mean, you already got B2Bleads.com. That's pretty successful. But where do you see yourself in a couple of years from now? What, what do you want to have saying, yep, I did it. I accomplished this goal. What is that? 
Hmm, a couple of years from now, I want the want to have a bigger team um, where it's less dependent on me as the 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 person running all the strategy. I want to be, and I want to build probably. I want to own the B two B lead generation space. So start to expand out with um, different offerings, different ways to generate those leads. So not just LinkedIn outbound. Um, just anything else I think will support that um, but in a way that's efficient and makes sense. So the reason we focus on lead gen and LinkedIn is just because it's where we can get the best results. Um, so just, I think, building on that offer. So once clients start getting some good results with LinkedIn, it becomes an obvious choice to keep growing and growing with our clients. So um, some big, big monetary goals, some big, yeah, <laughs> big yeah, like we'd, we'd love to get to $100 million over the next, um, I guess, five to 10 years, a longer time horizon. Um, I think we can, but I, it, it's, it requires taking a step back and really looking at the strategy and, and how else we can help our clients. So Engineering it to where you can get into that, where your goal is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's the goal, but not just monetary. Like it's, it's about spending more time with my family and, and not working all day, every single day, getting time to do like things I enjoy, jujitsu, health and fitness. Um, I love work, but I, I guess the long-term goal is making sure that it doesn't just occupy every single second of the day and, and it grows and I get to do the other th- grow the other aspects of my life that I value as well. Oh, that's great. Well, Ryan, I so appreciate all of the wonderful information that you were able to share with us today. Any final thoughts or anything else that you would like to share that we didn't talk about yet? No, I don't think so. I mean, if people want to learn more, they can check out the YouTube channel. I mean, like I said, I, I teach everything there for, for free. So if you want to have a go at lead generation on your own, all the materials there to get started. Um, and yeah, we're here to do it for people who just don't have the time. And what's your YouTube channel, Ryan? Uh, YouTube, just look for Ryan Caswell. Let me just get the exact, um, there you go. LM. Yeah. And we can, we'll put that in our show notes so people can access that as well. And yeah, so Ryan Caswell and we'll, yeah, we'll be able to search it too. And we'll put that there. Yeah. It's just forward slash C forward slash Ryan Caswell, or maybe just forward slash Ryan Caswell. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I know it's time difference for you. It's Friday there. It's Thursday here. So happy Friday to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Happy almost Friday, right? right? Thank right. you so much for your time as well. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. And for those of you listening, of course, the best thing that you can do for both of us is to share this with others that you know need to hear what Ryan had to share with us today. And uh, then the other thing that you can do is give us a Google review or a YouTube review or wherever we're at. We're on all the places and spaces on Apple, all the places, Spotify. Those reviews are like super awesome for us. Right, Ryan? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 100%. Views and comments, engagement recommendations on linkedin yeah (laughs) yeah yeah 100 awesome and until next time everybody enjoy your marketing journey thanks for listening to the marketing expedition podcast want to continue the journey don't miss out on new episodes subscribe on itunes spotify amazon music or wherever you get your podcasts Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? 
The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.